D F L B D F L B D F L B D F L B D F L Yeah! Who's ready for some football? Hey, welcome to episode six of the Stinger. This will be the first ever BDFL podcast that I've done. In this episode, we'll be covering the happenings in the BDFL, from some new rule changes to keeper selections and to the draft results. We also take a look at week one matchups and a look at who can win it all this year. And I also give a quick update on round one of the BDL playoffs. I'll be honest with you, I haven't really been following any football for the last few years. I've only watched the Super Bowl game last year, and I'm not really planning on following it much again this year either. So I'll probably be managing my team mostly from a stat standpoint, but we'll see how bored I get uh, during the winter and maybe I'll actually start watching some games again. It's actually kind of sad on how turned off I've been with football in the last few years because back in the day when I first got into fantasy sports, I was really into fantasy football more than I was into fantasy baseball. Most of you know Arlie and back in the day when we used to work together, we started up a fantasy football league with the people who we worked with at our company. In the beginning, I would host a draft party at my house. I went so far as to order the cardboard draft boards and some stickers every year. And we started out doing the snake drafts, and then we dabbled a little bit in the auction style for a few years. And then maybe about eight years ago, when I stopped working at the company, we went to online drafting. But to be honest with you, that's not as much fun as it is when you're drafting in person. That league probably lasted around 15 years or so. What uh, with last year, we actually shut it down. I also co-owned a team with Arlie for a few years in his brother-in-law's league, which I believe Joe is also a part of. That draft is also an in-person draft. But let me tell you, that one's a dumpster fire in my opinion. Main focus there is to get drunk, and while you're getting drunk, try to do an auction draft. Now, I'm not a drinker, so it wasn't much fun for me listening to all the drunks bang their chest and how great they were, and then screw things up like bidding wrong, not knowing who has already been drafted. And on top of that, someone would always be yelling out, is this a PPR league? Now keep in mind, this league's been around for a long time, and for the most part, with the same owners, and I don't ever recall it ever being a PPR league, but someone would always shout it out anyways. Anyways, this leads me into our league, and our new rule changes for this upcoming season. The BDFL is now a PPR league. What does that mean, and how will it affect anything? Honestly, I don't really know, besides giving wide receivers more points, and making catching running backs more valuable. To me, the place to take advantage of this rule would be in the draft. That would be only if you could identify the players who would get the boost based on the rule change and then be able to select on them a round or two higher than what the draft board actually had them projected to go as. And this brings up the point of, and this goes for any draft, actually, whether it's football, baseball, uh, basketball, but going into the draft, knowing what the rules are, and what the ranking system that everybody's using is where you could actually really take a lot of advantage over all your components. It always amazes me that how many people really don't understand the rules and the setup of their leagues. Uh, so again, just a FYI more that if you're in going into other leagues, always understand the rules and the setup and take advantage of that during the draft. The other big change this year is we're going from 12 teams down to 10 teams. I believe when I started this league, maybe five or six years ago, I think we had 14 teams at that time. But this change means that there'll be a lot more free agents on the waiver pool. And to me, this also means that during the draft, not just select a backup quarterback, backup tight end, backup defense, or of course, a backup kicker. 
because there'll be plenty available on the waiver wire when I need them for my bye weeks. And I'd rather gamble on selecting a wide receiver or a running back for those spots to see if one of them pan out during the season. So those are the two main rule changes for this upcoming season. And since we don't really have a off-season manager meeting like we do in the BDL, uh, let me throw out a couple other suggestions that we might want to consider for future uh, rule changes. If we stay 10 teams, maybe consider doing two quarterbacks or even having additional running back and wide receiver spots in the lineups just to try to thin out that free agent pool. I really hate looking at all the talent that's on the free agent uh, area where I could probably drop everybody and make just as good as team with free agent pickups than I could with, during the draft. Another suggestion, and I believe it was Ort that threw it out on the forum, is to maybe do an offline slow draft where everyone can participate. I think this actually might be a really good idea because personally it drives me nuts seeing auto draft picks or worse yet having someone else draft someone else's team for them. I know that this is a free league and it's just supposed to be for fun, but it still bugs me. One thing when people are auto-drafting, you really don't ever get that value draft pick because no one ever seems to drop because the auto-selectors will pick them up uh, whenever their turn comes up. And maybe the last thing I'll throw out there is maybe start going to a fab uh, waiver wire selection process where you have so much money that you can spend on uh, free agent pickups. But again, just throwing some ideas out there, guys. Okay, so let's move on to the, our keeper selections that we had. And it's actually nice to see that everybody put in keepers this year. I think in years past, I've seen where some teams never even uh, had keepers selected, and I never really understood that. So it's actually really good to see that everybody uh, did their two keepers this year. So I did a value comparison between the round that they were kept in and based on the clicky draft rankings where they were projected to go to see how everyone did in selecting their keepers. So let's see who everyone kept and what kind of value they got. And I'm just going to go in the order of the draft. So the first team up is Slade Rock and Gravel. And their first keeper selection was wide receiver Terry McCullough in the 12th round, where Clicky Draft projected him to be going in the third round. This would give him about a nine round value. Their second selection was quarterback Justin Hebert, or Bear, depending on what part of the country you're from. He was a 13th round uh, selection where the Clickley draft projected him in the 7th or 8th round. And this would give him about a 5 round value. So between the two picks, this would give him a score of 14, which turns out to be the highest in the league. So good job, Mike, with your two keeper selections. Next up, we have Scotty on top, Johnny on bottom. His first selection was quarterback Lamar Jackson. In the ninth round, clicky draft projection would have had him in the sixth round, and this would give him a three-round value. The next selection, next keeper selection was Justin Jefferson in the eleventh round, where clicky draft would have had him in the third round, and this would give him an eight-round value. So between the two picks, he would have a value score of eleven, and that turns out to be the third highest in the value rankings. Next up, we have Sunday Bloody Sunday, and his first keeper selection was wide receiver Stefan Diggs in the third round, where a clicky draft would have projected him in the second round. This gives him a one-round value. Now, even though it's just one-round value, it's still a great keeper selection. The problem is, let's talk about his next selection, 
where I'm going to say that this is the worst keeper pick of the season. That's in quarterback Deshaun Watson in the 10th round. And again, he's not even on most of the draft boards that I've even seen. So I'm not real sure what Orr was thinking here. Maybe the medication kicked in a little bit too much. Um, and I haven't really even been following football. So, um, I, and I know this guy's not even on a team right now. So if you ever get a chance or it, maybe uh, you can explain on the draft board why you, why you picked him as one of your keepers. Maybe it's for future years or something like that. I'm not real sure. Uh, I think maybe in future years he's probably going to end up in prison, but we'll see. Uh, so between the two picks, he has a value score of one. The next team up is the six, and his first wide receiver selection is wide receiver Devontae Adams in the eighth round, where a clicky draft projected him to be a first-round value. This gives him seven rounds. Uh, the next one up is quarterback Tao Tegelavoya, however you say his name, is quarterback of Miami in the 12th round, where a clicky draft have him projected in the 13th round. So this actually gives him a negative one round value. So I didn't really necessarily scrutinize all your choices that you had, but I can imagine that you had to have somebody better to select than this quarterback. Um, so anyways, between the two picks, his value score is a six. Great first keeper selection, horrible second keeper selection. Next up, we got Wrigleyville Wolverines. His first keeper selection was quarterback Dak Prescott with an eighth round. And Clicky Draft projected him to go in the sixth or seventh round. So this would give him about a two-round value. Uh, second keeper selection was running back Kareem Hunt in the ninth round, where Clicky Draft projected him to go in about the seventh round. This would give him also a two-round value. So between the two selections, he has a value score of four. Not real crazy about the Dak Prescott uh, selection, but that's because I hate the Cowboys. And I also think uh, Kareem Hunt, I don't think he's the starter. I think he's the backup there in Cleveland, uh, but I could be wrong with that. Next up, we have the Snowflake Killer. Uh, his first keeper selection was running back Alvin Kamara in the fourth round, where Kaliki Jack had been projected in the first round. This would give him a three-round value. And his next keeper selection was quarterback Patrick Mahomes in the seventh round. He draft projected him to go in the third round. This would give him a fourth round value. Uh, so between the two selections, the value score is a seven, which is about average. Next team up, we got Joe Boo needs a refill. His first keeper selection is running back Darrell Henderson Jr. in the ninth round. And Clicky Drack would have him projected about in the fifth or sixth round. This would give him about a four round value. Uh, next up, he had wide receiver DK Metcalf in the 11th round, and Clicky Draft projected him in the second round. This would give him a nine-round value. So between the two selections, his value score is 13, and this would, uh, turns out to be the second-highest value score out of all 10 of us. Next up, we have Manny's Cannons. His uh, first keeper was quarterback Aaron Rodgers, which would have been in the seventh round. Clicky Draft projected him to be in the seventh round, so this would give him a a zero value and then next up his next uh his next keeper selection is wide receiver cd lamb in the eighth round clicky draft projecting to be in the third fourth round this would give him about a five round value so between the two selections he has about the score of a five round so it's really just the cd lamb again not real crazy about the aaron Rodgers selection again i think you again you, if you can get them in the same round of where they're being kept um you're, you're kind of losing the value there Next up, we got Boston Double Downs. His first keeper selection was running back Aaron Jones. 
fourth round where clicky draft prediction to be a first round value. This gives him three round value. And next up, next keeper is running back Antonio Gibson in the sixth round where clicky draft predicted him to go in the second round. This gives him a four round value. So between the two selections, his value score is seven. Uh, just real quick, you know, I'm a, I was a big Washington's Redskins fan. And I, again, as I stated before, I haven't really been following football last year and, and even maybe a little bit before the year before that. And when I saw Antonio Gibson as one of the selections, I had to look up to see who this guy was. And it was pretty sad that I realized that he was uh, the Washington Redskins running back. So that just shows you how how out of touch out of football I am. Is that my favorite team? I now even know who their running back is at this point. Anyways, last uh, team we have is Blaze Knifebone. And his first keeper selection was running back Nick Chubb in the sixth round. Clicky Draft projected him to go in the first round. So let's give him a five-round value. Next up is quarterback Kyler Murray in the ninth round. Clicky draft predicted him to be a fifth round. So this would give him a four-round value. And so between the two uh, keeper selections, this would give him a value score of nine. So again, for the most part, everybody did great. Um, just a couple questionable ones, and then there was one you know, that uh, one really bad one. Um, but anyways, uh, again, I'm just happy that everybody actually had keepers this year. All in all, we had eight quarterbacks kept, six running backs, and six wide receivers. So let's move on to the draft now and see how everybody drafted. <clears throat> I'm actually going to be looking for how they uh, complemented their keeper picks with who they've drafted in the draft. Again, we'll just go team by team. We're going to start with the Slade Rock and Gravel. Uh, again, let's remember that their two keepers were... Justin Bear and Terry McCollin, so a running back and a quarterback. And, of course, with this first selection, he made the correct selection with Kristen McCaffrey. I think he was the consensus overall number one pick, so he didn't mess that up. How could you? Um, he followed that up with the tight end and then went two receivers after that and Mike Evans and Cooper Cup. So, again, looking at his keepers, he already had a receiver and a quarterback. You only got one running back in the first four rounds. And so you're, I think you're going to be a little bit weak on the running back side. I don't know much about Gus Edwards, Raheem Morissette, or James Conner. I think he's been around for a while, um, kind of bounced around from team to team. So uh, good receivers, a little weak on the running backs. Next up, we got Scotty Top, Johnny Bottom. Um, and again, his two keepers were a quarterback and a wide receiver. Against uh, with the second overall pick, you, know, you took Dalvin Cook, running back. Again, good pick. Uh, you, you can't really screw that up. And then you followed up with two wide receivers. So again, you're kind of heavy on the wide receiver, and uh, your running backs are going to be a little bit weak. Again, don't not sure about Mike Davis or Javante Williams um, and Kenyon Drake, um, but. Uh, it would probably have been nice to have another running back there at the, either the second or the third round. Next up, we got Sunday Bloody Sunday. And again, his two picks were a quarterback in Deshaun Watson and wide receiver Stefan Diggs. So he took two running backs, which was uh, what you probably should have done there uh, with Derrick Henry and David Montgomery. You took a tight end, Kyle Pitts, a little bit early in the fourth round. Um, and then really the, the, here, the big mistake that I think was made, and this might've been auto drafting, doing it for you. I don't, I'm not sure if, 
where it was actually picking or not, uh, but in round eight, nine, and then your keeper round in key, in round ten are all three quarterbacks. Um, again, in my opinion, you only need one quarterback in, in, with the ten team uh, league, so uh, not not using your draft picks pretty wisely there. Next up, we have the sixth, and his two keepers were a wide receiver and a quarterback also. Um, and, and this is maybe, uh, I'm kind of curious if this was a pick because of it turning into a PPR league because uh, we went with Tyreek Hill. He was probably the overall number one uh, receiver. And um, my assumption is thinking that this is a uh, PPR league now that he's going to have more value over the running backs that were left. I still probably would have taken a running back with this pick. Um, he did take in the next round Chris Carson. Uh, then he took uh, in the fourth round Miles Gaskin in the fifth round Chase Edmonds and the seventh round uh, AJ Dillon who are all running backs but uh, out of the four of those running backs I, I'm not too crazy about taking two of them uh, every week as my two starting running backs. Uh, next up we got the uh, Wolverines and his two keepers were a, a running back and a quarterback and again he also Ended up taking a wide receiver with his first overall pick in Calvin Ridley. Again, I'm kind of curious if this is more because of it being a PPR league. Again, I probably still would have taken with that first pick a running back. Um, but, but uh, again, nothing too out of the ordinary here. Uh, did end up taking two tight ends. Again, I probably only would have taken one tight end. And it took two quarterbacks. Um, the other quarterback besides his keeper of Dak Prescott. He ended up with Matt Stafford. Um, I've, I've had Matt Stafford plenty of times on my teams, and every year I'm very frustrated with him, so I don't think that was a great pick. It'd be interesting to see what he does with the Rams, but uh, if Matt Stafford over the years have proven who Matt Stafford is and in a 10-team league, probably shouldn't even be owned. Also uh, interesting here was the uh, Wolverines did not pick a defense. Um, I've, I've seen this used in uh, drafts before where someone doesn't select or draft a defense or a kicker. Um, it's typically a, a method that you would use early in drafts if, if the drafts were held earlier in the season uh, so that you would not pick defense or kicker. You'd pick some wide receivers or running backs and see how what happens in the preseason to see if somebody jumped out. And then right before the season starts, you drop somebody and then you pick up uh, your, either your defense or your kicker. I don't know if that was what uh, John was trying to do here, if it was just an oversight that he didn't pick up a defense. I did see on the waiver wire already that he has dropped somebody. Uh, I think I think his, his, tight, his second tight end that he picked in the 10th round has picked up uh, the Denver Broncos defense. Um, so I don't, it might have just been a, a mis, an oversight on his part. Uh, the Snowflake Killer... Again, had a quarterback and a running back um, already for his keepers. Um, and I followed that up with uh, two running backs um, at that point. Again, I, I, I'm still under the impression I'm still going to believe in the, uh, you know, you want solid running backs as your foundation. So I, I have what I think is three pretty solid running backs. And then I just kind of went after wide receivers after that and see which one of these wide receivers is going to pan out. Uh, in the long run. Next up, we got Joe Boo needs a refill. His two keepers were 
a running back and a wide receiver. And so he also went running back. Then he went tight end. Again, maybe a little bit early for a tight end. I think it was the second tight end taken off the board. Um, his third pick of Amari Cooper, wide receiver, is good. And again, and nothing really um, – all the picks after that were, were fairly standard picks. Um, although he did take another tight end later in the draft. Again, I, I, I wouldn't have done that. Manny's Cannons, um, his two keepers were a quarterback and a wide receiver. So he went running back, running back with his two first picks, um, solid running backs. And then he has uh, followed that up with two other wide receivers, Julio Jones and Adam uh, Thielen. Again, a couple of years ago, these two uh, wide receivers would be great. I'm a, I don't know if they have a drop-off in the last year or so. Uh, they just look like older names to me, but maybe they're still really good receivers. Next up, we got the Boston Double Downs. And his two keepers were a running back and actually two running backs. His first selection was a tight end and Travis Cleese. Again, number one tight end uh, in a 10-team league. I might have not have taken him here, maybe just taken him on the, on the return uh, in round two. Um, I probably would have been uh, better off taking uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who was taken uh, with the next pick over Cleese. Um, but uh, other than that, everything looks good. Uh, has several running backs and several uh, receivers. He does have two quarterbacks. Again, Ryan Tannehill. I don't think you need Ryan Tannehill on your roster. And then the last um, team, Blaze Knifebone. Uh, his two keepers were, again, a running back and a quarterback. And he went uh, wide receiver, running back. Again, uh, I think these are, are good picks to have. And he pretty much went running back, uh, wide receiver uh, throughout the draft um, for the most part, um, as, as wherever he could. So pretty balanced picks. So, again, overall, I think everybody did really good in the draft. Um, I think there were just a few questionable uh, picks, but uh, overall it seems pretty solid. Good job, everybody. So now let's move on to week one matchups. Um, I'm just going to look at the game lines. Uh, we've got the Snowflake Killers taking on the Wrigleyville Wolverines. Uh, Snowflake Killers right now are projected at 125. The Wolverines are projected at 112, but he does have his defense hole um, missing there. So I think he picked up the Denver Broncos defense, and that would give him another nine points. So I think it's really 125 to 120, somewhere around there. Um, Joe Boo needs a refill. We'll be facing Manny's Cannons. Joe, Joe Boo has a projected score of 121. Manny's Cannons projected to be 130. Uh, Slade Rock and Gravel has a projection of 132. They're going to be facing the Boston Double Downs, which is also 132. So this is going to be a coin flip between the two. And I believe that those are both the high-scoring projections uh, for week one. Sunday Bloody Sunday has a projection of 100. He's going to be facing Scotty Top, Johnny Bottom, which is 131. And then uh, Blaze Knife Bone projected 127, and he'll be playing the 6 at a projection of 125. So, again, uh, in the past, I've never really taken much uh, thought into these projections. They've always never really came close to what their projections actually were. I'm going to follow these through the rest of the season and just kind of compare what was projected and what the actual scores were, um, just so just for uh, just for reference. 
Now let's maybe make a projection of who might end up with the final two teams in the championship. I don't know if this was on here last year. I, I just noticed that this year that um, there's a playoff percentage uh, posted by each team. Um, right now, the Atlantic Conference, the highest projected for a playoff percentage is the Snowflake Killers at 75. Then we got Scotty Top, Johnny Bottom at 72. And then Blaze Nightbone at 61, Manny's Cannons at 57, and, Wolver- and Wrigleyville Wolverines at 26 percentage. Um, in the Pacific League, we have the high Boston Double Downs at 80 percent playoff chance, and we have uh, Slade Rock and Gravel at 72 percent. Then we followed up with the Six at 61 percent, Joe Boo needs a refill at 54 percent, and Sunday Blaze Sunday. At 43%. So, again, I don't know if that was uh, in the system last year. It looks, looks kind of interesting. Again, I'll follow this and see what happens there. Uh, but based on this, the Snowflake Killers at 75% and the Boston Double Downs at 80% would be your two top teams um, with Scotty Top and Johnny Bottom and Slay Light Gravel um, also having a, a, a good possibility chance. So we'll see if that plays out also. And just to predict uh, two teams matching up for the finals, so I'm going to say Scotty Top, Johnny Bottom from the Atlantic, and Boston Double Downs from the Pacific, with the Boston Double Downs uh, winning it all this year. So let's switch gears now and see what's happening in the first round of the BDL playoffs. And I won't spend a lot of time here. I just want to do a quick recap of what's uh, happening. I'll go in more detail in a couple weeks when we do a playoff recap for the season. All four matchups were really close at one point in time. At uh, one point in time, the Rockets had a pretty commanding lean over the damage uh, at the beginning of the week, but uh, damage came back towards the end of the week and actually made that a pretty good, exciting matchup where the Rockets ended up winning the matchup 6-4-0. On the other hand, the Crawford Cramps and the Kill Dev Hell Elevation started out real close at the beginning of the week, and the Crawford Cramps pulled away towards the end of the week where the Cramps ended up winning 8-2-0. The matchup between the Boston Double Downs and the Gotham City Adrenals was kind of back and forth most of the week, with the Boston Double Downs pulling it out there towards the end, where the Double Downs won 6-4-0 over the Generals. And then the Monkton Mounties and the Malibu Bay Beers actually came down to probably the final outs of the final game of the week, where the Monkton Mounties upset the Malibu Bay Beers tying 5-5, but winning in all the tiebreaker categories. So for round two of the playoffs, we're going to have the Rockland Rockets facing the Boston Double Downs. And remember, these two teams have played each other twice during the regular season. Week one, where the Rockets destroyed the Double Downs 10-0. And then again in week 19, where they tied 5-5. And I believe that came down to the last game of the week, where the Rockets ended up taking one of the categories to force the 5-5 tie. So I'm still going to stick with my original take from last week where the Rockets will end up winning this one 7-3. Moving on to the next matchup where we got the Moncton Mounties facing the Crawford Cramps. Uh, these two teams have faced each other twice during the regular season. First in week 7 where the Crawford Cramps beat the Mounties 9-0-1, only tying in saves. And pretty much every category was uh, dominated by the Cramps. They also then met again in week 16, where the score was 7-3-0 cramps. And again, for the most part, 
the cramps pretty much had a dominating lead over most of the categories. A little bit closer in the offensive categories, but the pitching categories, it was pretty much controlled by the cramps. Looking at the starts for this matchup, the Mounties are going to have six and the cramps are going to have ten. So I'm going to favor, uh, again, the, the team that has the most starts. And, of course, the cramps, I think, have a way better offense, although the Mounties' offense is where their strength is at is also. Um, but I'm going to take the cramps with this one. And I'm probably going to go 9-1, where the Mounties might take the saves category. So that it would also mean that the championship matchup is still going to be between the Rockland Rockets and the Crawford Cramps. And lastly, I just want to give a shout-out to Brian of the Crawford Cramps for winning the Mark of Excellence Award this year. Uh, you had an awesome season. I didn't realize the streak of wins that you had uh, coming into that last week of play, and so that was very impressive and well-deserved. Okay, so that's a wrap for now. I will be doing a BDFL weekly recap and if any trades or interesting transactions happen, I'll be covering those as well. Uh, I might have to combine a couple of weeks, uh, just depending on how much material I have to make the shows long enough. Also, sometime during the week of September 20th, I'll be doing a recap of the BDL playoffs, and we'll see where each team might have lost and where they might have won each of their games. Also, might have to combine that with the BDFL stuff also. All right, anyways, thanks for listening, and until next time, take care. Thank you.